Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. I really am grateful that you are here today. Um, I do know it is summertime, it's kind of the heart of summertime. And so, so many traveling and different things, which by the way, I do not begrudge you your travel or your vacation. I just miss you when you're not here. And uh, so look forward when, when we reconvene after the summer break and uh, get, get the family back together again. But, <clears throat> but today, while we're here, I believe the Lord has something for us. And the ushers have something for you as well. If you forgot your Bible, maybe left it at home or in the car, if you'd wave at them, they have a Bible they'd love to, to hand to you so that you could follow along. Say, Troy, why do we do this? You put the scripture on the over. I know I do. I just like for you to have your own copy. So if you don't have it, or if you're like me, you're a technological dinosaur and you don't like to use electronic stuff, then we have a real, a real paper, once a tree, now a book Bible for you. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to take and kind of play off just one little phrase in this, and then we're going, as I told you last week, we're going to take a little hiatus from Ephesians in the month of July and uh, pick it back up in August, uh, because what we're getting into now is what I believe the heart of the book, and really want the whole body to be gathered together as much as possible as we go through this together. So today, though, Ephesians chapter 4, and if you look, we're in the, still in the series Custom-Made Calling, and I read to you last week, I believe, verses 7 through 16, um, and as you look through that, there's a, a, a section in that scripture where it says that Jesus, that he left, he went, he ascended, and he descended, and then he ascended, and then he's going back, he leads captivity captive, and he gives men gifts. He gave, there it is. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. We talked about the imagery, the symbolism of that last week and the picture of this conquering general or king as he's going back and giving out the spoils of war. But what does it mean for you and me, the church? Because this, this is what Paul is relating it to. He's relating it to us, the church, and these gifts. Now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do today. And hopefully when you came in, the ushers gave you a handout. Um, this handout... Uh, has two sides to it. One side is just kind of a list, a bullet point list. The other is more of a, a, a diagram, if you will. Hopefully to make it all make sense. I'm going to, in a, a just kind of an overview way, talk about the list of gifts that we have in Scripture. And I'm going to talk about them a little bit today. I will not be able to go into detail. I could spend weeks and weeks and weeks doing this message what I really want to do, and here's what I encourage you, I really want you, if you are unfamiliar with spiritual gifts and what your spiritual gift and how God may have gifted you, we want to help you understand that, all right? We have equipping classes for that. We will, we will walk alongside with you. There are tests that you can take. I'm sorry, there are assessments that you can take. <laughs> Nobody likes tests, all right? There are assessments that you can take that help you, that you answer certain questions, and it helps you kind of understand how God made you and kind of guide you in the right direction. So we have all these tools and resources available to help you. You say, Troy, why does it matter? I've made it this far without knowing. Why does it matter? We're going to talk about that this morning in the message, okay? Now, look with me, if you will. Uh, well, you don't actually have to turn. It's on the page, but if you'd like to turn, you can. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 has a list of these gifts. There's also a list given for us in Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter chapter 4, and Ephesians chapter 4, where we're currently are studying. All right, and just kind of a list of things. There are other gifts that people talk about from different places in Scripture. Um, some believe there are more than these. Some say this is not an exhaustive list, and that very well could be. But these are the things that I'm aware of in Scripture. They're lists that are given to us when it begins to talk about spiritual gifts and these gifts that God gives to his body. And then a little understanding of what those gifts are, what they look like, how they function. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you'll see on your handout, there's the word of wisdom. Um, this word of wisdom is special ability to understand truth or situations. Um, 
the word of knowledge, and sometimes we can get these a little confused, a special understanding of information that helps others. As I go along, every once in a while I'm going to stop and illustrate for you. Because sometimes, like word of wisdom and word of knowledge, and maybe, and by the way, depending on your church background, you may need to forget all of it and just listen to me today, okay? Depending on what your church background is. All right? You may have been out of balance one way or the other. I grew up out of balance when it comes to spiritual gifts. You, in, in my case, it was basically they're all done, and we don't pay attention to that. We just have the written word, and that's all we need. And by the way, it is great to have the written word. But in the written word, it tells us about spiritual gifts. And so I can't just throw them aside because they're uncomfortable or somebody does something with them I don't understand. Um, you, may have come from, you may have come from the wild west of spiritual gifts where everything goes, all right? Um, the scripture's also very clear about these. There's order that's given to them. There's, there's instruction that's given to us how we operate in these gifts so that there's not confusion and hurt and harm that comes to the body. So if you came from either of those extremes, then you may have to forget everything this morning and just listen to what the Word says, okay? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, are these first things listed there in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as it begins to go through this list. Um, the special ability, the word of wisdom is a special ability to understand truth or a situation. A word of knowledge is special understanding or information that helps others let me illustrate. The Lord just reminded me of this just this morning, actually, early this morning. We took our family, this is about seven years ago, we took our family one Sunday after church, and all of us, the five of us, and went to Cracker Barrel. We don't normally do that. Normally, I'm here for a long time on Sunday, and a lot of things going on, and so Sunday's not a good day for us to go out to eat. Um, but we, this particular day we were out, this is about seven years ago, as I recall, Katie's about 12 years old, and so Andrew would have been, what, nine? Elizabeth uh, would have been, you're almost 13 now, so it would have been five going on six, all right, if it was seven years ago. She's reminding me she's closer to 13 than she is 12, all right? So when I say she's 12, she's, Dad, I'm really 13. So anyway, um, so they were younger, and we were sitting there, and we were going through, at that stage, a problem and and I have to confess I was the biggest part of the problem all right but I thought Katie was the biggest part of the problem but it was I, but it really was me but we were going through this as she's becoming a teenager and just a lot of difficulty and all this and frustration and crying out and crying at and you know all the things that you do as a parent right um, and Lori and I were scratching our heads trying to figure it out and we were in Cracker Barrel and we're sitting there eating minding our own business a lady walks by. I don't know her. I've never seen her before in my life. I have not seen her since. Don't know who she is, where she came from. She simply walks by. She stops by our table. She looks at Katie. She points at her, and she said, God wants you to know he's doing a work in her heart that you cannot see. And she walked off. <laughs> and it's like, wait, come back. I need more. I need some more information here. I don't know who she is. Seven years later, I can tell you it's absolutely true. God was doing work, and I am, I'm delighted at the young lady I see Katie becoming. But I couldn't see it then. And so what did God do? He gave this dear woman that I did not know who was part of the body of Christ a word of knowledge. She didn't know me. She didn't know Katie. She didn't know anything. But God gave her a word of knowledge. Based on that word of knowledge, God gave Lord and I some words of wisdom and how we were to walk with Katie, how we were to parent her, um, giving us understanding on how to apply that word of knowledge in a specific situation. You say, Troy, can't this get misused and abused? Absolutely it can. That's the reason we always have the written word as our guide. Anything that we feel like the Spirit is revealing to us will be consistent with what God has revealed in his written word. But as I've, sh and I've shared this story before, there are many things and many times where God directs us, but it's not written in black and white on the page. How do you know who you're supposed to marry? I read the Bible through many times. Lori's name is not in there anywhere. <laughs> Nowhere is it in there. But I knew I was to marry her, all right? God clearly gave that direction several different ways. So again, I understand the literal nature of the written word, but there's also the Holy Spirit as he speaks and he guides. And when you've experienced this, it's powerful. I mean, it's a powerful thing. The first time I ever experienced it in my life, I was going through, and I probably shared this story, I, I've shared it with a lot, I can't remember. I was going through a really difficult time. 
as a pastor, as a young pastor, and quite honestly, I didn't want to be pastor. I didn't want to be here anymore. We were still, as I recall, we were still over in the old building and just going through all those things. And I had a, a dear friend, um, who he's become a dear friend. I didn't know him as well at the time, but he invited me to come over to a special service they were doing at his church. He was the pastor. And he was explaining some of this to me. And I was like, I, I don't, Clark, I don't need this and don't want it. And I think you're a little kooky. And anyway, you know, all that kind of thing. And, um, and he said, okay, just, he said, but if the Holy Spirit prompts you, just come. And well, the Holy Spirit did prompt me. And, and so I'm driving over there, but I didn't take anybody, I didn't even take Lori, I didn't take anybody with me because I thought this is going to be crazy nutty and at least I can leave. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to expose anybody else to all this. And, um, and so I go in, but on the way I'm really wrestling and I'm talking to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I really think I should leave. I think I should let somebody else come in and pastor this church. They can do a better job. I'm not equipped to do this. I'm not the right guy for this. Um, this is not going well. And somebody else should come do this. I should let the church, I should leave and let the church start over and get somebody who could actually do this job. And I'm wrestling with all that. Lori's not with me. I'm riding by myself. I'm having this conversation out loud with the Lord. And, uh, and he didn't say anything. It's like, it would have been nice if he just said something. He didn't say anything. Back and I'm just riding along. I get to this service. And in the course of the service, they did something which they call uh, a word in season. I never heard of a word in season. But there was a, a pastor, a leader up there who was from Arkansas. I'd never met him before. Didn't know who he was. But he was just standing there praying, and he looked back at my direction, and he pointed and said, hey, you in the blue shirt. So I turned around looking to see who he was talking about and realized I was wearing a blue shirt. And so I stood up, and he asked my name, and I told him. And he shared a few things, which I thought, okay, that's kind of interesting. And he said, I, said, I feel like the Lord said to you, that you've been asking him if you should leave. And he said, you should stay in reform. You should stay in change. Well, I began to weep because nobody on this earth knew that conversation that I had just had an hour before with the Lord except the Lord himself. No one knew. So here's a guy looking at me and saying, I think the Lord just said to me to tell you that you should stay. Now, the Lord did other things in his word and other ways to confirm it, and of course, I'm still here. Um, the reality is, I was blown away. I had never experienced the giftings working like this before. I'd never seen it. Since then, I've seen it often. But at that point, I'd never seen it before. It will revolutionize your understanding of who God is and how he likes to work. And now again, can it be abused? Absolutely. Do people mess it up all the time? Because we're people, all right? And so there are things that I would, and, and this message probably won't have a whole lot of order to it. Our teachers out here are going to hate this, but again, it's me. I'm not a teacher. Um, here's the deal. When I go to someone and I feel like God's really prompted me with something, I go to them and I say, hey, I think the Lord said this. Why don't you go to him and see if he confirms it? All right? I don't come to them and says, thus saith the Lord, he said this, and if you don't believe it, you're going to hell, okay? <laughs> um, because again, and I have seen that approach, because we think somehow saying thus saith the Lord gives it more authority. Actually, it gives it less authority, because all of us know that you and I, we're all fallible. We can all make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes, but we can. The quicker we acknowledge that, the more comfortable it makes people. If you can't acknowledge that you make mistakes, it makes people very uncomfortable. Because they know you can. I don't always hear God exactly clearly the way I want to, at least to start with. Neither do you. But when God's stirring and prompting, how many times have you sensed him saying, why don't you give this person that verse, or this song, or just this word, or just these words, or a word? There's power and the body being able to do this for one another. And even to be able to do it sometimes for people that you do not know. I could spend, I could preach messages just on this part, but we gotta keep moving, all right? Faith, the ability to see what has yet to take place or believe when it is difficult. I believe this is vision. I think this is another term we use often for vision, but it's the ability to believe God when it seems hopeless and impossible. And it's a special gifting that God gives 
And it can come, and I'll get more to this later, it can come, it's not necessarily something that you have all the time, but God can give it at specific times. Healing, ability to help those with physical problems. And I would go beyond physical problems, those who have emotional problems, healing of the soul. Miracles, the ability over laws of the natural world, to see God do things where they just, it defies natural law. Prophecy, the ability to speak truth, revealed by the Spirit to encourage and build up. 1 Corinthians 14 says, seek prophecy above all. But the prophecy that it talks about is not a prophecy that thus says the Lord, you've been bad and it's all going to be bad for you. Or if you don't change right now, lightning's going to get you. All right? And you have a flat tire on the way home. You think, oh, they're right. It's already starting. And that's not prophecy. I don't know what that is, but that's not prophecy according to the New Testament. Okay? Prophecy according to the New Testament is Truth that God gives that we share with one another that encourages, that stimulates, that doesn't mean that we water down truth. It just simply means it encourages rather than discourages. Discernment, the ability to tell right from wrong or truth from deception. We, there has never been a day where the Holy Spirit giving discernment is more needed than today. Tongues and languages, the ability to communicate in other languages, both earthly languages and heavenly languages. Interpretation of tongues and languages, ability to interpret other languages, uh, helps the ability to assist those in need. Some consider this gift the same as the gift of mercy. I don't, but some do. Romans chapter 12 has a different list. Romans chapter 12, and this is all on your handout, verses 6 through 8. Prophecy. This is different than prophecy mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll explain in a minute how. Prophecy, the ability to speak truth and or future information. Serving. This is likely concerns the ability to help with practical needs, teaching, the ability to instruct others in God's truth, encouragement, some call this exhortation. My wife is an exhorter, she has this gifting. The ability to help others feel encouraged or motivated. Um, giving, ability to see resources others miss. Um, give, I love givers. Givers are often those people who say, you know what, I'll do matching funds. If, if so-and-so will give this, I'll match it. They, they, because they love to motivate others to be givers. Uh, leadership, ability to govern, to cast vision, and organize others. Some call this organization, some call this administration, different terms, same gifting. Mercy, the ability to sense when others have areas of need, when they're hurting. They are very sensitive to other people's pain. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, speaking, uh, this is the ability to communicate Christian truth well and serving, and some believe this is the same serving that's mentioned in Romans chapter 12. We, we don't really know. Um, and then Ephesians chapter 4, which is where we are in our study, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. I'm not going to deal with that at all today, all right? When we come back in August, we're going to deal extensively with apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Because as we talked about last week, one of the reasons the church doesn't know who it is or what it's supposed to be doing is because we don't understand these things. And if we begin to understand these things and operate them, we'll know who we are and why we're supposed to be here. All right? Now, turn over to the other side. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, I'm sorry. All right? Maybe some of our techno geniuses will figure out how to put this online or something. I don't know. Um... And by the way, this isn't original with me. There are all kinds of different ways to break up spiritual gifts and listings and different people smarter than me do it. This is just one that makes sense to me, okay? Uh, if, you, if you do it differently, I'm not gonna argue with you over it because I'm not sure the scripture's perfectly clear, at least not to me, on how all this is arranged. But this arrangement makes sense to me. And I believe it's biblical, all right? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 begins to tell us something. Actually, do we have that passage of Scripture? Not, I'll just look at here. Do we have 1 Corinthians 12, 4? Um, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5 says, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Verse 6 says, there are different kinds of workings, but the same God works, in all, works all in all of them. If you look, those Greek words are all different. So different kinds of gifts in verse 4, that's different than different kinds of workings and, or in verse 6 and different kinds of service in verse 5. All of those words are different. That's the reason there are three columns on this page, on the other side of the page. The first column, I like to call them motivational gifts. That's the first one. That's, that's chapter 12, verse 4. 
And I believe that those gifts listed in Romans chapter 12, six through eight are motivational gifts. I think that's how they break down. I could be wrong, I'm telling you what I believe. A lot of other people believe different things. This is what I believe, it makes sense, I functioned this way, it's changed my life, okay? That's the reason I share it with you. Chapter 12, verse five, 1 Corinthians 12, five, says there are different services or ministries all those ministry gifts. I believe that's Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. All right, I believe that's those, those gifts fall under this ministry gift. And then it says there are different workings in verse 6, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, there are different workings. Uh, the Greek word energia. That, I, so there, everything starts with an M because it goes back to my old days when everything had to be alliterated. So manifestation gifts, all right? This is the operation of gifts that can be seen, they're manifest. I believe that's that list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, you can disagree with me and, and that's okay, we can have conversation about it and maybe you see other scripture in different ways, I'm always open to learning. But this is the way that makes sense to me. So this word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues fall under manifestation gifts. I believe you can have multiple of those gifts and they are not a once and for all gift. They come and go as the Spirit wills. That's what 1 Corinthians says. The Spirit gives them as he wills. Ministry gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, these are roles that the Holy Spirit gives within the church. And it's not just the pastor. See, what we've done for a long time is that, well, maybe these gifts exist, but the pastor has them all, and he just does this, or the leadership has them all. I have none, and so they just do it, and we'll all be happy. That is not the way Jesus intended his body to operate. He said, no, everybody, we saw this in Ephesians 4, all received gifts. Everybody. If you're here, if you are in Christ Jesus today, you have received a gift, I believe multiple gifts but at least one. He gave it to you. Why? You say, well, look at me and my gift. No, because he wanted to use it to build up others and in the process for you to discover your purpose and life to have meaning and you be excited about getting out of bed every day because you were made for this. He designed you this way. The first list, motivational. I believe you only have one of those personally. Again, these are, I will be clear when I think the scripture says something. The scripture says there are different kinds of gifts. And I believe these seven fall under that listing. I believe you only have one. It's like DNA. It's written in such a way. And it's there from your birth, not just your rebirth. It's activated. It's empowered at your rebirth. But I believe you can see these tendencies in lost people. Because God already put them there. Prophecy, those people who see truth, life is much more black and white and truth is so vitally important to them. This is a prophet. Some people are wired that way even if they are not believers. They are wired that way. Some within the church are wired that way. Say, that sounds great. I want to be that. I want to care about truth like black and white. You know, I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to write on it. Think, why would that be a problem? Everybody should do that. Well, if I look at the bottom of the list and have a mercy, a mercy is motivated by the hurts and the needs of other people. They see them, they feel them as if they were their own. And they care about truth, but they also care about the person. Maybe how that truth is communicated is more important to them than the truth itself. Well, prophets like, who cares how they feel? It's truth, truth is truth. And Mercy says, no, it matters very much how they feel. And then you throw a server in there. It's like, let's not even get caught on that. Let's just go do, their house needs to be cleaned, all right? This, this, you know, this needs to be fixed. Let's just go do it. And the teacher says, well, we need to understand where the history of all this started, all right? And how we got to this point, all right? And most of us, by the time the teacher's done, it's like, oh, my word, I, that's so much information. I don't know what to do with all that information. But they're motivated by it. They, they get out of bed for it. Most of us want to go to bed with it. But they get out of bed for it. Exhorters. They just want to build people up. They want to, they want to encourage. My wife, if you're around her, she's always thinking about how do you create an atmosphere that's going to encourage? 
going to build up. You come into our home, here at church, wherever she is, she's wired that way. Right now, I'll give you just case in point. Right now, we're heading into the 4th of July holiday, right? Which, by the way, will be here, 8 o'clock baptism, 4th of July. They'll probably tell you this in the next steps. Anyway, uh, all right, sorry, rabbit. All right, um, but, my, but my wife, she's getting ready for 4th of July and, and all, and so she has this creative idea. So she pulled out Gettysburg, the movie Gettysburg. How many have seen the movie Gettysburg? Oh, man, you have got to get Gettysburg. One of the best movies ever made. Um, anyway, probably made 30 years ago. Uh, some of it's corny, but it's all historical. It's great. Um, but so she pulls it out. It's a long movie. And it happened, if you remember, Gettysburg happened July 1st, 2nd, 3rd in 1863. So she's like, well, this is leading up the 4th of July. We should play. So she's playing. She, she's got that playing. Whether she does this with the kids sometimes when they were little, she would have It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas time playing in the van. They're like, Mom, can we put something besides It's a Wonderful Life in there? But it's, it's something that you're creating atmosphere. You're making them think. You're, you're, you're causing there to be some kind of focus and purpose in all of this. Exhorters are wired that way. They, just, they think that way. You see this in people in the business world, and they're not even Christians. They're just wired this way. Givers, givers see resources everywhere, and they don't want people to know that they give, but they love to give, and they love to motivate other people to give, and they see resources everywhere they look. Administrator, leaders, leadership, um, organization. Some people use different terms for this. This is my gifting. I am motivated by seeing all the pieces come together to accomplish what God designed. That's what motivates me. I teach poorly, but I teach because I have to. I preach because it's part of the calling, because it helps. But my motivation, what drives me, is to see all the different pieces come together to build up what God originally designed for his church to look like. These are, this is the leadership gifting, the organization or administration gifting. All of them working together. The problem is often we don't work together because you can, just in what I've described to you, you can see how we are so different and we approach problems so differently. I mean, if I had a big thing of grape juice up here, which I would not because last week I asked you not to do that, but if I, had a, if I had a big thing of grape juice and kicked it off over here on the floor and made a mess, you would see all the giftings in different ways. You would see them all come alive. A server would see that and they would run to the janitor's closet. Where, hey, somebody open this closet. I gotta get something to clean that up. They're made that way. The mercy's back there. Oh, I feel so bad. I bet he's embarrassed. I feel so bad for him, all right? The giver's thinking, hey, I'll give some money. We'll, get a new, we'll put new ones down there, all right? The exhorter is saying, you know what we can learn from this? You know, this is how we can take this and use this and build everybody up. The teacher says the reason it happened is because you got big feet and you weren't watching where you were going and you stepped here and you hit it and it fell over this way. All right? You've got, you've got the administrator. The administrator. Chuck, would you get Marty? You guys take care of this. All right? You know, that's, that's, that'd be the administrator. Here, you, you, and you. Would you take care of this? Thank you for doing that. And the prophet? That's what you get for not being careful, Troy, all right? <laughs> this is truth, all right? You shouldn't have put it there to start with. No, you're right, I shouldn't have. All of these different giftings, you can see why there's so much confusion in the church and in families and in workplaces and wherever we go because we're all looking at things different ways because God's made us differently. And he says, I want by the power of my spirit to bring it together and show you what it looks like when they work together, not when they're working at odds. You know what we tend to do? We tend to get a whole bunch of people who have same giftings and same thought process and believe the same way and put them all together and they start a new church. And when they get enough churches together, we create a new denomination who all believe and think and look the same way. Because I can't get along with those other people. And they're wrong. If they could see it my way, we would all be fine, but they can't see it my way. So I have to go start a new way. God says, I have one way. I want to put them all together. And I want to show the glory of what I can do in all of this. I believe you have one of these. If you don't know what it is, we want to help you discover it. Ministry gifts, again, we're going to talk about that 
at length in August. Manifestation gifts, these are the way the Holy Spirit manifests. You can be a teacher and have any of the manifestation gifts, or you can be a mercy and have any of the manifestation gifts. And by the way, I have to talk about when we talk about manifestation gifts, most people don't like them. Or, or I shouldn't say most people, many people don't like them because they're a little scary or they've been misused or abused in different ways. They say, Troy, what about tongues down there? Well, we all got one, all right? And, and, and beyond that, what else does the scripture say about it? I do not, I am not a cessationist. A cessationist believes that tongues ceased. They take 1 Corinthians 13 and believe that it means that, because it says um, that tongues will cease. When all these things are complete, when they are perfect, then all these other things will stop. But if you go on and read the rest of that, it, that perfection happens when we see Jesus face to face. That hasn't happened yet. So I'm not a cessationist. I don't believe all the gifts have ceased. I believe they're still all in operation. I believe sometimes, maybe many times, they get used inappropriately according to Scripture. But that doesn't mean we should throw the baby out with the bathwater because they may be used inappropriately. We instruct. We encourage. We, we do this, by the way. We do this with tongues. We had this, uh, we've had this several times through the years. Someone began to speak in tongues in a service out loud so that everyone can hear. I don't have a problem with that as long as there's an interpretation. Because 1 Corinthians 14 says there needs to be an interpretation because if you can't understand, nobody's edified. And the purpose of the gifts are to do what? Edify, build up. So it's kind of like when you go into a conversation and they're all speaking Russian and you don't speak Russian. It's like, well, this is nice. They seem to be having a really good time, but I don't know what's going on. You feel left out. So... Paul understands this when he's writing in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, when this happens in a larger group, there needs to be an interpretation. So if someone speaks in tongues in a larger group and everybody hears, then you wait. I, do, I, I wait. I wait for an interpretation. If no interpretation comes, and this happened two or three times in a row, then we approached the person who was doing this and said, you know, I appreciate you using this gift, but right now the Lord doesn't seem to be interpreting, so you need to pray for an interpreter. And we'll pray with you. If, if this is going to happen, there needs to be interpretation so the body can be built up. This person got mad at me and, and Pastor Paul. And, and so they left. Said, you're trying to hinder the Holy Spirit. We are not trying to hinder the Holy Spirit. We're trying to obey the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit said, this is what happens when you come together. Now, if you did it differently in a different church background, that's okay. I'm willing to have that conversation with you. But as I understand Scripture, this is how the Scripture lays out. This is, gift is to be, operate in a group. I also believe, and someone disagree with me, that there is a private prayer language that people have. And, and that, and they're, and they're praying on their own just before the Lord, knock yourself out. You don't need an interpretation. I think this is what Paul meant when he says, I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, how did he, why did he tell them that? Because they didn't see it. That's the reason he had to tell them he spoke in tongues more than them all, because they didn't see him doing it. Matter of fact, he went on to say, I do this more than you all, but I'd rather speak five words in a known language that everybody could understand than 10,000 in an unknown, unknown tongue. All right? So it's not that one's bad or wrong. It's how is it used to build up the body? Prayer language, that's my term. Other terms, people use spiritual language, heavenly language. know that matters. There are many who do that and sometimes we may be praying I was praying recently in a group in a circle and someone was praying in their prayer language very quietly you just barely hear them next to me that did not bother me and I didn't stop them and say give me an interpretation or quit doing that all right it was just them and the Lord I'm doing my own thing with the Lord you say well Troy it really bothers me get over it <laughs> cut them some slack because I'm sure they have to cut you some Love one another. You say, well, it's biblically wrong. Not as far as I can tell in Scripture, it's not. Now, if you can show me where I'm wrong, I want to see it. But biblically, I don't see it that way. I do see there are clear guidelines. I believe that in healing there are guidelines. I believe in all these things. The Scripture gives us guidelines. It says when you're doing this in a public way, you want to do it in a, there, there's a certain order to it. I have been in two services, I think, in my entire life. Now, of course, most of the time I'm here, so that limits the services that I go to. But I've been in two that I can remember. I've been in many where tongues were spoken. 
I've been in two where I've seen it like I'm describing to you. It was, it was powerful. And some would say, well, it has to be a small gathering because otherwise it gets out of control. One of the places I was at, there were probably 4,000 people gathered in this. And one person I way off began speaking. And at first I thought it was just another language, an earthly language. And then as they kept going, I'm thinking, no, that doesn't sound like an earthly language. I, not that I know them all, but usually you can tell. Languages have certain rhythms and sounds and you pick up on, even if you don't speak it. And that went on for a little while. And then there was, a, there was for about 45 seconds, maybe, speaking another tongue. And then it was quiet for 15, 20 seconds. And then someone from a different side of the room interpreted. And it was powerful. And you could sense the Spirit just moving in power. Now, I've sensed the Spirit moving in power many times. I'm not saying you have to speak in tongues for that to happen. I'm actually not saying anything like that. I'm simply saying most of the time I have seen this gift operated in operation We've not done it according to 1 Corinthians 14. We don't do that here. We are going to follow 1 Corinthians 14. Um, but at the same time, I'm not going to stop what God wants to do. I want to be sensitive to that. I want to see God move in ways that don't make sense to me. I want people to have words of knowledge and, and words of wisdom. You want to see healings, both of the soul and the body. Someone came up to me in, in, this, in the sanctuary just a minute ago. Oh, man, is that time right? Oh, um, it came up to me just a minute ago and said, I've been praying for you all week. You've been on my heart. How's your knee? I said, no pain. I have no pain. Now, one day this week, I was getting out of the car, and I twisted a certain way, and I had lots of pain. And so it's still there, all right? And whatever damage is there seems to still be there. But I... I'm so grateful that someone was stirred in this way, and I have seen God heal my leg hundreds of times, just not permanently. I don't know why. I believe he can heal it permanently. He just hasn't yet. These are the things that, again, I'm a student of the word. I've grown up in a church culture that emphasized it. I've spent my whole life studying it. I believe in the written word of God. It is inspired and inerrant. I just believe our God is so big that he wants to do more than what we understand just in the written, on the written page. Not contrary to, always in agreement with, but more than we can understand. Bigger than we ever imagined. J.B. Phillips, who did a translation of the New Testament for his church in World War II in London. I, I love to use it. I've quoted from it many times. Also wrote a little book I have on my shelf called Your God is Too Small. I think for many of us as believers, our God is too small. We've put him in a box and said he only works here. I'm going to ask Lori to come to the piano. Um, and as I wrap this up, I want to illustrate this. Why does this matter? You say, Troy, this can be so controversial. Why even go here? I was actually, actually, I preached on this a number of years ago. We were in this building, but I began to go through gifts. And it was December time frame, I remember now, because we, the Lord led to do it at Christmas, because we give gifts at Christmas. And so we talked about gifts. And there was a family in the church that got mad because of how I preached it and different things I shared, pretty much what I shared with you today. And ended up leaving. And I remember one of our leaders at that time said, Troy, are you sure God told you to preach that? I mean, why would you even, why, why stir up problems? When we get into the fivefold gifting, the apostle, um, that's, not my, that's not totally my gifting, although I have certain traits of that, but part of what the apostle does, they don't mind stirring up a little bit to create something new. Um, 
But I don't stir up just to stir up. But I do believe this, that if we just continue in the status quo as a church, we will get what we have always gotten, and it's not enough. It's not enough. Not for me. I don't know about you. It's not enough. If for you just coming in, going out, singing a few nice songs, hearing a message now and then, knowing some people, clubs can do that. The church of the living God should be more. Should be more. I want more. I want it to be biblical. I don't want it to be crazy. We're not going to swing on chandeliers. We don't have chandeliers, all right? So, I don't, it's, but, but I want more because he's a God of more. Why is this so vitally important? I asked Lori to go to the piano right now because um, I want to demonstrate it in the way the Lord just laid on my heart. Many times, most relationships, Christian or non-Christian, are dissonant relationships. Do you know what the term dissonant means? Discord. They will demonstrate, Lori. That's, a, that's dissonance. Can you hear it? Can you hear that? Does that sound pretty to you? Now, I know it's hard to believe she can play any. See, I can play something that sounds like that. It's hard to believe she can play. She's doing it on purpose for my sake. Most relationships are dissonant. There's discord. And so we figure, okay, we will solve this in one of two ways. We will leave and get away from that relationship and go off. And there's just one or two of us. Can you play a chord with just one or two of us? Okay, that sounds nice, right? That's not dissonant. It's not, it's not con, it's not, there's not conflict. There's no, there's no tension that's being created. Some say, you know what? I'm not even going to bother just with the one or two that are like me. I'm just going to set it out. I'm going to sit on the sidelines altogether. And then you get what we hear right now, which is nothing. Absolutely nothing. Or, Here's what God intended. He said, I've got all these different parts that you can put together. Could you play a chord the way it's supposed to be played? Do you hear that? Can't do that with one note. How many notes did you play? Seven. Seven's number of divine completion. Lord Jesus wants to make music, beautiful music, with his church. Music the world has never seen, never imagined. But it will require. Now, here's the thing. You say, I want the beautiful music. Yay, everybody's for beautiful music, all right? In order to do this, there will be some unresolved chords that the Lord will have to resolve. Can you play an unresolved chord? And can you resolve it for us? Hear the difference? Unresolved. I don't like that so much. That's what happens when we learn how to do this together. There's some rubbing. There's some friction. There's some unresolved chords. There's some unresolved issues. And the Holy Spirit says, comes in. That's all right. Don't run away. Don't throw them aside. Don't condemn them as the enemy. Don't, you know, declare them demon-possessed. All right? There's some tension. Let me, by my spirit, do some work on you and on them and resolve the court. It's a beautiful thing, the way God designed the church. It's an amazing thing. But not if we keep doing it the way we've always done. I want you to bow your heads with me. Do you want to be part of his symphony? Part of his orchestra, all the different pieces together. They're all different. I mean, a flute and a timpani, which is that big old drum, they're nothing alike. But you need them both. 
I love my brass, but where would brass be without the woodwinds? This is what Paul said. He said, where would the body be if, it were all, if we were all ears? We could hear really well, but we couldn't see or smell anything. Where would the body be if we were all feet? Where would the body be if we were just all fingers? But that's not who we are. That's not who God made us to be. If the Holy Spirit's prompting you right now, stirring in you, to say, I want to be part of the body the way God designed me, then tell him that right where you are. Say, Lord, I want to be part of the body the way you designed me. And I want to fit in with all the other designed parts. I want to fit together with them. Just tell him. In your own words, you don't have to use mine. Say, Lord, I just want to fit in the way you made me. you fit if you don't know how God's made you then would you ask the Holy Spirit right now would you show me how you made me show me we'll help you we can give you assessments we can do classes we can do all those things but the teacher here the the revelator here is the Holy Spirit he's the one who reveals and shows he's the one who says this is how I made you and this is how it fits with everything else for the longest time, I was trying to be a pastor like all these pastors around me. I was trying to do that. That's the reason I wanted to quit. I was trying to do it the way they were doing it. And I wasn't made to do it that way. The Lord says, I want you to do it the way I made you to do it. It bothered me for a long time. I'd talk to Jim Johnson. I love Jim. Jim say, I love to preach. I'm thinking, Jim, I kind of hate it. He said, I was made to preach. I don't feel like I was made to preach. And yet I do it every week. And the Lord said, I didn't make you to preach. I made you to see all the pieces come together. You just preach because that's part of what I'm doing there. But you don't have to preach like anybody else. You don't have to be somebody else. Just be you. I'm telling you this morning, just be you. The way God made you to be. Now, here's the thing. You say, okay, I want that. I'm all, I'm all in. I'm, I'm gung-ho there. How do I get it? Okay, you're not going to like this next part. You're going to talk to the Lord about this. You know how he develops it in our life? Pain and loss. That's how he develops these gifts. Pain and loss. Do you know how you get prophets who care about people? Pain and loss. Do you know how you get mercies who say truth really is vitally important, even if people are hurt by it? pain and loss you know how you get organizers who actually care about people pain and loss you're going to go through it and you'll find the Lord does something in you through that his love manifests spread abroad in your heart him working off the rough edges on all, in all of our lives him causing us to appreciate the giftings of others even if we're not wired that way Even if it requires pain and loss, I want you to do this in me. I want to fit. Lord Jesus, we are here. We're Life Point Church, though the name, that doesn't mean anything. Lord, we're your body. We just have that name. It designates so we know where to come. But Lord, we're your body. We're part of a bigger body. But in this body, we want to use the giftings that you have given. And Lord, I believe there are many that are laying dormant right now. Maybe we've been hurt in the past. Like, oh, I can't do that again. I've been hurt. Maybe we're afraid of being hurt. Maybe people are just irritating and I don't have any patience for them. Lord, all of those things are real. But they shouldn't stop us. 
So Lord, right now, by your spirit, work in your people in your body. Stir within us a desire, like Lori playing right now. That's beautiful. It's all of these independent notes coming together. Oh God, you created music. Lord, do create beautiful music here with your people and beyond, beyond just here, these walls. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. I love that even as we listen now, Bob adds in that guitar, a totally different instrument, but it adds. We'll add voices in a moment, and it adds. Jesus, add, add, multiply here in this place. We ask you. We long for it. I long for it. Do what only you can do, Lord. We submit to you to do what you desire to do in us. Lord, not to run away, not to clam up, not to lash out. Lord, to be changed, to be formed, to be reformed. And Lord, I pray that as we walk through this, we will recognize that the Spirit gives gifts and also produces fruit. And Lord, would you do both in this place? Would you give gifts and would you produce fruit? That's what we ask. That's what we believe you for. We believe it's what you're doing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? They're going to lead us in a closing song. Tom's going to come and do next steps in just a minute. But if we can pray with you about anything before you go, let us do that. All right, we always, I always want you to know that. Don't leave. If there's something going on in your life, let us pray with you about that. God bless you. I love you. You know I love you. I love you guys. I love being your pastor. It's a privilege. God bless you all. Lead us in a closing song.